there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! We are going to continue. We're in week four of a series entitled Third Person. Uh, We're we're doing an introductory series on the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you what I was scheduled to preach on today. Uh, When I planned this out, I made a huge snafu. Uh, Today's subject matter was supposed to be the Holy Spirit and sexuality. And we were going to talk about how your sexuality and the Holy Spirit that lives in you kind of can coexist together. Um, But Thursday around 3 o'clock, I was trying to put the finishing touches on this. uh, And uh, the Holy Spirit said, you know it's Mother's Day, right? Uh, You're not preaching on sexuality on Mother's Day. So um, what we're going to do is that sermon is going to be next week. And what we were going to preach next week, and we're going to flip-flop it uh, uh, to today's message. And so today, as we continue to talk about the Holy Spirit, I want to dive deeper into the subject of the Holy Spirit being our comforter. Now, I think this is a very appropriate subject to discuss today of all days, Mother's Day, because no one brings comfort to a small child like his or her mother. Sore throats, upset tummies, skin knees things that go bump in the night, bad dreams. These are the things that caused us to cry out for our moms when we were younger in the middle of the night. And so you know as well as I do that a good mom will bring comfort to a child if that child is sick or tired or hungry or scared. And I would say this, a good father would also bring comfort to that child if it's sick or tired or hungry or scared. And then I would add one final thing. A good God would do the same. When we are hungry or sick or tired or scared, God, who is the God of love, uh, brings us comfort. I want to open up sharing sharing with you the words of Paul that he writes to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 1, or 2 Corinthians 1, uh, chapters, or verses 3 and 4. He says this, Blessed be to God, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul calls God the God of all comfort. He's a good God, And he seeks to bring comfort to us, his children. Bob Russell said this, quote, The two greatest needs met by God are forgiveness and comfort. Everyone's a sinner and needs God's grace, but everyone is also a sufferer and needs God's peace. And so God's this loving Father. He has given us the Holy Spirit as a gift to comfort us. John 14, 26 says this, when Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit is coming, we've read this a couple times, but he says, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, 
He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Uh, and, and if you remember way back in week one, that word for comforter, sometimes it's, it's used as helper. It's the Greek word parakletes. It's where we get our word paraclete. And it means one that will come alongside of you. And so this is how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit to us. This comforter who will come alongside of us. So before we kind of get into the crux of the message this morning, I want to preface it with this. And I want you to hear me. The Holy Spirit came to bring us comfort, not to make us comfortable. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit of God came to bring us comfort, not necessarily to make us comfortable. Remember, Jesus says that he is the great comforter. Why would you need to experience the comforter if you're already living comfortably? Um, this is my own personal experience. You may differ a little bit. I, I doubt it, but I have found that, that I have felt closest to God in my life when I'm going through periods of suffering. When the cards are all down and the, uh, when, when, when uh, trials and tribulations come my way, uh, when I'm suffering, that's when I find myself drawing and feeling closer uh, to, to God. Those of you who have been around here for, for a while, um, you know I have shared with you when I was 20 years old, um, my mother uh, sat on the edge of her bed and took a deer rifle and put down by the bed, put it in her mouth, called me, pulled the trigger, and took her own life. I, I can tell you I have never, ever been more devastated in all of my life, but I have never ever felt closer to God than when I was going through that. I simply cannot explain that to you. The only thing I can say is, is I was drawing my strength from the great comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's, he was there for me, and he is also here for you. And so before we even jump out of the gate here, one thing that I want you to understand this morning is that bad things are going to happen to you. All right. I hope you haven't bought into the lie of the prosperity gospel that if you give your life to Jesus, you're always going to be healthy. Um, you're always going to have plenty of money. You're always going to have a, a parking spot right up front at the mall. God's going to work all that out for you. Bad things happen to good people. And if they haven't happened to you yet, sooner or later, it's coming for all of us. Jesus promised, John 16, he says, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So it's going to happen to you. So, uh, you know, there's, there's one of a million different illustrations we could use. Uh, but, but those of you, if you live long enough, someone that you love is going to be taken from you. If you live long enough, someone that you hold near and dear to your heart are going to pass away and leave you to grieve, leave you alone. Um, I can't help but think about our widows 
here at Elevate Christian Church. We've got a group of very, uh, 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 very lovely, fun-loving, fun, energetic widows. But, but I can't help to think, man, this is not what they had in mind. All right, this is their golden years. This is where they and their spouses were going to, you know, maybe buy an RV or, or maybe travel and do the things. And now they are left alone. Bad things are going to happen. For some of you, you're going to experience a broken heart, right? So whenever a couple divorces, there's one that always wants it more than the other, and you may be on the receiving end of that. Or perhaps you're engaged and, and, and it's broken off, or, or perhaps you're in a committed relationship and you find that, you, that the one that you were in relationship with cheated on you and just broke your heart into a million pieces. Some of you, your children are going to make bad decisions, you know what's kind of scary and sobering to me is I was under the assumption when they turn 18, I'm done. Like, whew, got them out of the house. But I'm, I'm talking to parents who have adult children, and they're pulling their hair out literally be, because it, they can be worse because you can't tell them what to do anymore. And so sometimes your children are going to break your hearts, your adult children, by the decisions that they make. You might find yourself on the other side of a desk with an, with an oncologist in front of you. A week ago, you felt completely fine. Now they're going over chemo plans and surgery and radiation, and it can happen just like that. Or perhaps you've got a nest egg, but before you know it, it could be gone. You could be broke. Or perhaps you could make a really boneheaded decision at work, and you not only lost your job, you lost your reputation, you lost your career. Some of you, your addiction has taken away everything near and dear to you, everything you love, your children, your family, your career. Bad things are going to happen. And sometimes it's God allowing bad things to happen so we reap what we sow. So I would say it this way. Something tragic, something will happen to all of us that no amount of human comfort can fix. And this is when God sends who Jesus promised, the Holy Spirit, the great comforter. Now, here's what's important. How do we respond? When bad things happen and the Lord's trying to comfort us, how do we respond to the Lord? Do we run away? Do we get mad at God? How dare you let this happen? Or do we try to draw close to God? Uh, J. Vernon McGee was uh, kind of a personal hero of mine. He's a preacher of yesteryear. He's long since passed away. And every couple years, I pull this illustration out to use it, A, because I've been here 20 years and I'm running out of material, but, but B, it's just a great, great illustration. So J. Vernon McGee went to school during those times when if you misbehaved, you went to the principal's office and you got a paddling. You got a whooping, right? And um, he was a good kid. He had never been sent to the principal's office. Well, one day he did something boneheaded, and he was sent there. And so he walks into the inner office, and there was this other kid there who was a frequent flyer. He was always getting paddlings in the principal's office. And so he sat down. He's a little bit nervous. This kid doesn't act like he's not nervous at all. And the kid looks at him, and he says, hey, I got some advice for you. When you walk in there and he grabs that paddle, he's going to grab your arm, and he's going to start wailing on you. He said, you're going to have the urge to pull away from him and, and, and try to extend and run. He said, don't do that. When he starts paddling you, draw as close as you can to him because he doesn't have enough leverage and he's not going to be able to paddle you hard. 
So J. Vernon McGee said he did that, and he said that's some of the best advice he'd ever received in his life. You see, it's during those times of suffering that many of us want to pull away from God. We want to run from God. But that's when we need to draw close to him. That's when we need to press into him. That's when we need to lean into him and have his Holy Spirit who resides in us bring us comfort. I also want to let you know this. You're going to go through some very comfortable times in your life. We live in America. We excel at comfort. There has never been a nation who's experienced as much uh, leisure, comfort, expendable income. I mean, we live in an arena of comfort. So for some of you, none of this has happened yet. And so you will go through extended periods of time where you are extremely comfortable. Okay, so I'll say it this way. Today is Mother's Day. And for the last 15, 16 years of my life, Mother's Day has been horrible for me. It's the one day I wish that we could just, the one holiday I don't want to have because of what happened to, to my mom. And so it used to really, really bother me. I used to get so uncomfortable every year at Mother's Day. I dreaded it. Now, I still miss my mom. It's almost been, it'll be 30 years this January. But man, I am so comfortable now. Like, let me tell you what I'm going to do today. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to eat smoked chicken. Then I'm going to take my wife and my mother-in-law to the deer camp. We're going to ride four-wheelers and shoot guns. I mean, that's, that's about as good as it gets, right, uh, for, for me. Uh, I'm extremely comfortable right now. I don't need a lot of comfort. But here's what I have found to be true of me, and I I assume it's probably true of you. This is a more dangerous time for me than when I'm suffering. Because when I'm comfortable like this, it causes me not to pay attention much to the prodding of the Holy Spirit. It causes me to not really worry about the will of God. Why is that? Because life's going well. I'm not too stressed out. Nobody in my house is sick. We're all well fed. Everyone's safe. Everyone's healthy. And all of those things are great. And I pray for those things on a daily basis. But sometimes when I'm in this arena of just being completely comfortable in my walk with God, I get lazy. And sometimes I'm afraid to ask God, what's next for my life? What do you want my family to do? What can we do? Where do we go? Do you want us to go to Africa? Do you want us to stay here? What do you want me to do? How can I minister? Who who can I minister to? And the reason I'm afraid to ask that in these periods of time is because I'm comfortable. I don't want to rock the boat. It's during these times that I let my comfort sometimes lead to complacency, and I don't hear the Holy Spirit as loud and clear as I should. And so as a parent, Here's what I want to be able to do for my children. I want to counsel them. I want to help them. I want to comfort them. I want to be their advocate. I want to lead them. No matter where they go in their lives, the good times and the bad times, the fun times and the scary times, I want them to know that, hey, I am here for you. Well, I think the same is true for the Holy Spirit. He is here to counsel you, help you, comfort you, be your advocate, lead you in life during the good times and the bad, the highs and the low. 
So with that in mind, I'm going to get you out of here pretty quickly this morning so uh, you can, you know, beat everyone to the uh, longhorns. Um, amen, that's right. Renegade special. Um, let, me, let me offer you just real quick three ways that the Holy Spirit provides you comfort, all right? Uh, and they're very elementary. Number one is this. He comforts us through his word. Now, this seems like the most obvious, but this is the most neglected. He comforts us through his word. The word of God itself can bring healing to your souls. That's why Paul says, husbands, wash your wives with the word of God. It, it brings healing. It can be a rock of truth for us. We can firmly plant ourselves in his word because it's absolute truth. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul writes to his young protege these words, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. That phrase, God-breathed, is the Holy Spirit. So imagine a Bible, and every page in the Bible, the Holy Spirit breathes life into that page, inspires what's being written. Every page of Scripture is God-breathed. People ask me all the time, the number one question I get asked as a, as a preacher um, is, do you, do you only work on Sundays? No, the, the number one question I get asked as a preacher is this. Pastor, preacher, Kevin, how do I know God's will for my life? That's what I want to know. And here's what's tricky for me. I don't really know how to answer that question because God's will for your life may be different than my will. So I don't always know how to answer that question. Um, some, sometimes I just have to say, I don't know. But most of the times, here's what I'll say. If you want to know God's will for your life, then know God's word. If you want to know what God wants you to do, what God wills for you to do, how God wants you to act, then you've got to know his word. And I found the more that I read God's word, the more I meditate it, meditate on it, the more I memorize scripture, the more I study it, the more I'm out living it, the more I'm in his word, the clearer I can see his will for me. And God speaks to us through his word. It's important. So if you're a church hopper and you've been to multiple churches, you're going to probably find one thing that's in common. Every preacher I've ever met is constantly going to encourage you, you've got to be in his word. Read God's word. There's a reason for that. Because God's word provides comfort. God's word is alive and active. I want to share with you something I shared two weeks ago in our spring study, uh, and this will be real quick. Um, a lot of you were here to hear this. Uh, th there are two ways to know God's will uh, in our lives. There's God's general will and God's specific will. Um, so the general will of God, we know by his word. The specific will of God, we know by his voice. Okay, and there's a, there's a difference. So let me, let me explain. Let me give you an example. Um, if you want to know about marriage, what kind of husband should I be? What kind of wife should I be? How should I treat her? How should I treat him? How should we love each other? If you want to know about marriage, it's in the Bible. It's the general will of God. Here's how you're to treat your spouse. However, if you want to know who to marry, that's not in the Bible, right? So for me, I didn't like I wasn't strolling through third Hezekiah one day and saw, thus saith the Lord, you shalt marry the fair maiden Lindy. 
I, I didn't know that. All I knew was the general will of God, that I wanted a wife who loved Christ first. I wanted a wife who was kind of like that, that the, the, the Proverbs 31, that a virtuous woman that no one could live up to if you read Proverbs 31. But I wanted kind of a wife in that vein. So I began praying, and then God led me to Lindy or led Lindy to me, uh, however you want to look at it. So I, I, I want to know who to marry. How does that happen? The voice of God, the Holy Spirit. He'll guide us into his specific will. That's why Jesus says in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Uh, so let me say this again. General will is found in his word, but specific will is found in his voice. So we read his word. It will tell you how to be a good parent, how to be a good child, how to be a good spouse, how to be a godly friend, neighbor, worker, co-worker, employee, boss. All of those things are in the Word given to us by the Holy Spirit. However, if you want to know the specific will for your life, you've got to talk to God about it. We've got to bring our requests to Him. We've got to ask Him to reveal His specific will. And let me just say this. I know I'm repeating what I said Wednesday night for a bunch of you, but you may be sitting here and not understand this. God has a specific will for you. That's why you live in the neighborhood you live in. That's why your kids go to the school they go in. That's why you go to church here. That's why God put you here. Every one of us has a specific will. But the only way we're going to know that specific will is we've got to talk to God, which leads to the second way the Holy Spirit comforts us through prayer, through prayer. Prayer is our time to ask God for help, to present our requests to Him, to share our doubts and fears, to, to praise Him for our blessings and thank Him. Um, so it's much like a child talking to a parent, letting the parent know what they need, uh, what they dream for, uh, what might be bothering, all, all that stuff. But I want to take a little step further. Those of you who are parents, I want you to, to go back to a time in your life. Remember uh, moms or, and dads when your kids were like one years old to 18 months? Okay, and so they're starting to waddle, walk, crawl, fall, all right, but they can't really talk. Okay, so go back to that time uh, when your kids were that young. Remember when they got sick? You knew they were sick, but you, you didn't know what was wrong, and so you're playing like 20 questions with them. Is your head hurt? Does your, is it your belly? Uh, did you fall? You know, what's going on? And you're taking their temperature and you're bringing band aid. You're bringing the whole first aid kit trying to figure out what's wrong. They're, they're sick, but they can't express to you what's wrong. And you're trying to get all this information, but you can't get what you need. I think it would be awesome if somebody invented like a translator app for toddlers where, you know, they could just mumble into it and they'd get to, oh, I got a sore tummy or a sore throat. Um, you could make a lot of money off that. That doesn't exist for us, but I believe it exists for God. Because here's what we have. We have the Holy Spirit. And when we're at our wit's end, and we know I need help, and we, we know I just got to pray, but we don't, we don't have any idea what to pray for, what to ask for. We don't even know where to begin. We're like a hurt child who can't express to our parents what we feel. That's when the Holy Spirit steps in to be our advocate, to translate what's going on in here 
into, into the throne room of God so God could answer our requests. We read about this in Romans 8, 26 and 27. He says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. So Paul says, listen, you don't even know what, you're, what, what to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Right? This takes the onus off of us a little bit. Paul says, listen, you don't even know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, he's your roommate. He, he, he knows what you need, and he can translate that to God. Have you ever asked God for something and then told him your action plan, what you're going to do, as if he has no say in it? Like, I've done that before. God, I want you to help me be a better father. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m., and I'm going to pray for every one of my five kids for 30 minutes. And then I'm going to cook them all a hot breakfast so they have a good breakfast before I go to work. And then I'm going to text them. I love them three times every day. And then I'm going to come home early. When I come home early, I'm going to be home. I'm going to play and get in the floor, and we, you know, and I'm going to wrestle, and I'm, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to work on my, uh, my patience. I don't have enough patience. So we, we've asked God to help us be a better father, but then I've told God, here's what I'm going to do to be a better father. What this scripture says is, listen, that takes the onus off you. You just say, God, I want to be a better father. I don't know how to be a better father. So I'm going to just pick someone. I'll use Rich Arcaro because he used to be a pastor. If I pray to be a better father and Rich prays to be a better father, God's going to reveal something different to him than he is to me because we all have different personalities and different flaws, right? So there's no way I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and pray for my kids, not because I don't pray for my kids. Uh, it's ungodly to get up at 5 a.m. That's just, <laughs> I would be a horrible father because I'd be cranky all day. Right? Uh, but so it's, all I'm trying to say is, is we, we spend so much time trying to explain to God what we're feeling when all we have to say is, I need help. I'm not the father I need to be. Speak to me. So the Holy Spirit does that. He advocates for us. Look at the end of that verse. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So he's our advocate. He'll speak to us even when we don't know what to say. So he, he comforts us through his word. He comforts us through prayer. And then finally, he comforts us with his promise, with his promise. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. We've spent a lot of time here on Wednesday nights, but Acts chapter 2 is probably the most pivotal chapter in the Bible because Acts chapter 2 is when Jesus uh, says, hey, I'm leaving, and he, he's left, I'm, he's crucified, he's resurrected, and he tells his uh, 11 apostles, minus Judas, and then another group of people, there's 120 of them total, he says, I'm leaving, I want you to go to Jerusalem, go to this upper room, and I want you to just sit in this room and wait. Just wait. You'll know when the Holy Spirit comes. And if you've read Acts chapter 2, it is a dynamic chapter so they're sitting here much like you are maybe they're conversing talking all of a sudden man the doors open a wind rushes in and it's it almost sounds like a tornado inside of there fire starts springing from their heads as the holy spirit the holy spirit falls on them and dwells in them and then these people are able to do these magnificent things 
right? So they're able to speak in all of these languages. Scripture says every, every tongue of every nation was there for the Passover. And they were able to speak in all these languages and understand each other. And then you've got Peter and Paul and John. They're healing people. They're raising people from the dead. They're casting out demons. You've got all this magnificent stuff that happens. It starts in Acts chapter 2. And after it falls on them, Peter gets up to preach to a crowd of thousands. And he preaches Jesus crucified. And he preaches that you too can have this indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38, he talks about that's the gift. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Those of us who are saved by Christ have the Spirit of God in us. I want you to notice what he says in verse 39. He says, this promise is for you and your children. So he's talking to the people that are there. But then look what he says. And for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. For all who are far off, that's you and me. This was 2,000 years ago. We're pretty far removed. But we have... The same Holy Spirit dwelling in us that's in the Bible. He's in our hearts. He's in our inner beings. We have this same promise from God that the great comforter is here today to help us, to teach us, to speak to us, to guide us. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that we have the same Holy Spirit as Peter, Paul, and John. In Acts chapter 4 uh, it says, based, I'm paraphrasing, they says, who are these ordinary men? These are like uh, blue-collar fishermen. But look at the power and the boldness that they walk around in. And later in the, in the 20-some chapter of book of Acts, it says, these men turn the world upside down. And it was through the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you to know this morning is this, is that he is just as powerful today as he was then. He's just as active in moving in your life today as he was then. He can still move mountains if we have enough faith today. When I was in my late 20s and my early 30s, I watched more SpongeBob SquarePants than any adult should be allowed to watch. I mean, that was my number one. I had episodes memorized. I, I still do. I love SpongeBob. I, I don't know why. I just, I do. Um, and so I watched a lot of SpongeBob. If you don't know who SpongeBob is, you, you live in a pineapple under the sea or something because he's everywhere. All right, so I loved him. If you know anything about SpongeBob, Craziest sermon illustration ever. <laughs> if you know anything about SpongeBob, SpongeBob has two heroes in his life. You know who they are? Who are they? Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Okay. So in his life, these were superheroes that SpongeBob as a kid loved. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Well, now that he's an adult and he's holding down a job at the Krabby Patty, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, they have aged out, right? So you've seen it, right? They're frumpy, they're grumpy, 
They sit around in a nursing home all day. They're tired all the time. They can't even barely evil. They can't even barely talk. They're just slow and just worn out, kind of used up old men. I sometimes wonder, though, if we don't view the Holy Spirit this way. We look at the book of Acts and we see all these wonderful, powerful, magnificent things that the Holy Spirit did in the lives of the disciples and the apostles. And we say, man, well, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. (laughs) He's tired. He's kind of sitting on a rocking chair. He phoned it in waiting for Jesus to come back. That's That's not true. He's the same Holy Spirit today as he was for the, for the apostles. And we have this promise from God. He is just as powerful. He is just as moving. He is just as active in our lives. Even though we are far off from when the Holy Spirit, from when God poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. And he's here to bring us comfort. Bob Russell tells the story of a guy who used to go to his church, a construction worker. And this particular guy worked on skyscrapers. And so he was up uh, on these steel beams, kind of walking the, the tightrope one night. He went up there to do some work at night. He couldn't see very well. And he was doing some welding. Well, he slipped. And so he grabbed one of those steel beams, and he's hanging 10 stories off of this steel beam. And his fingers are getting tireder by the second. And so he begins to yell for help. He's 10 stories up. He can hear cars and taxi cabs and traffic, but nobody can hear him. And he's just hanging there yelling, help, help, help. Well, finally, he couldn't hold on any longer, so he let go, expecting to plunge 10 stories to his death, not knowing that earlier that day there was a construction crew right there and they had put up a scaffolding nine inches under him, but he couldn't see because it was dark. So instead of falling 10 stories to his death, he landed safely on the platform. You know, I think maybe some of you have been hanging on for dear life. I think maybe some of you are going through a hurt and you are just desperately trying to just pull yourself up and resolve the situation on your own. We call that just white knuckling, but you don't have the strength to pull yourself up. And I think some of you have even cried out to other people, but they can't hear your cry for help either. I would just simply say this. Maybe today is the time you release yourself into the trust of the Lord. You let go. I promise you, he will catch you. And when he catches you, he will comfort you. He will love you. And he will nurse you back into the person you were meant to be. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.